to the A to Z Sports Preds Nashcast, aka Wait, what? The Preds are good now. I am your host Alex Darty, and I'm joined by Chris Link, my co-host as always. Today on the show, the Preds have won four straight games and six of their last seven games. What is happening? Why is this happening? Uh, Link and I will dive into that and figure out if this is just a totally new team on the ice, or if they've just figured out some things, or maybe they're just you know, getting more, getting luckier, or something. I don't know. Uh, and then on that note, we will also debate, are you buying or selling what the Preds have right now? I know I'm, I'm not talking about the trade deadline, although that is related. Are you buying that this team is a playoff team or are you selling that? Is that uh, you, you don't want any part of it? So uh, we'll talk about all that. Welcome, Link. How are you doing today? I am glad to be here. Uh... We were talking about how this feels normal, right? This feels like the Predators we, we thought we were going to see? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm glad to be here also because just surviving the weather so far this month. Oh, uh, yes. And being awake right now. So so we're recording later in the day because I didn't have power uh, until about 8.30 this morning and then just had to k- take care of, you know, take care of animals, take care of things around the house, you know, that normal thing. But it's exactly. also nice to not have an episode where they're like, okay, well, you know, Everyone's talking about the Predators trading Ellis now, so let's talk about trade packages for Ryan Ellis instead of what we talked about two weeks ago about trade packages for Matty Eckholm. So that's a nice... It's nice. It's nice that this is a team that has ups and downs. You know, Obviously, four ups in a row if you're looking at the scores and the points mm-hmm. they're picking up. Not as many ups as you're actually looking at how the, you know, how the, the, the shares and like the gold shares and... Uh, you know, actual on ice metrics were, you know, shot load, all that kind of stuff. But this is more the Predators team I thought I was going to see uh-huh. coming into the season. Like, the big thing I threw out on Twitter yesterday during the game was oh, hey, look, when you play fewer of the scrubs that you paid in the offseason and more of the young guys that you said you were going to play, uh-huh. you're getting, it just looks more fun. Yeah, I mean, the, this is this is the ideal situation for or this is this is really what we thought we'd see all season, right? This is what we thought we were going to see. We did not think we were going to see um, uh, a team that's trotting out Jared Tenorti's and Brad Richardson's and losing games. Instead, we're seeing Alex Carrier and Jeremy Davies and Luke Cunning yesterday. Tolvanen, please. Tolvanen, of course, Ali Tolvanen. All those guys coming in, contributing, improving their game over the course of the year. I mean. We'll talk about all the all the players, but like there are players that I did not think they would be this good. Alex Carrier is one of them. I mean, we've seen him before. He's been great. He's been churning out all kinds of minutes with uh, with Ekholm and and, yeah. and whenever Yossi was gone. Well, it's, that's why it perplexes me over the last couple seasons. This one included why all of these perfectly competent defensemen have been toiling away. Yeah. In Milwaukee, like when you have an AHL team stuffed with a team's prospects that is dominant, and it may not win, be winning the Calder Cup every season, but are really strong and dominant and competitive, maybe give some of those guys a shot to play in the NHL. Don't just bounce them out at a rookie camp and go sign some guys in their early 30s who haven't played a good hockey game in, in, in two years. But that was the sort of the Predators' philosophy, that we need to stop, we need to have lots of veterans, veterans' presence, grit, all these things, and and we'll let the, the kids graduate based on age, which is kind of what's happened to this crop of defensemen. You know, given that these are not elite prospects, mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense. Let them graduate by age, like age them out of the the AHL. Um, but it's encouraging to see. 
Yeah, it, it certainly is. So we uh, didn't have a show last week. We took the week off, and then now we're back. So since that time, the Predators have six wins in the last two weeks. Tampa, Florida, Dallas, Detroit twice, and then Chicago last night. Of course, they're in Chicago tonight again uh, for the second game of the back-to-back. Um, some of those are easy victories. I mean, Detroit looks pretty bad. Chicago is not good. But a couple are pretty impressive. I mean, beating Tampa finally. Florida, Dallas is you know a team that they should – that they're, they have a tough time beating recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't really look at the list of wins and say, oh, they they got just a favorable schedule. I mean, you can see some of that because Dallas or Detroit and Chicago, but they still beat Tampa and Florida. Those are teams that are good. So Yeah, I mean, splitting the series with those teams is a big deal. Yeah, and and, and almost all on the road. I mean, all those are road games. Yeah. We got I, away from... It, it, realistically, I would not expect... Even at, even going into this season, that the Predators would consistently beat Tampa and Florida. So if you're going to have to play back to backs, sorry, I, when I say back to backs, I mean like the two game series, not necessarily yeah. right. day day after day. Um, I would I would say yeah, if they're going in and they're able to consistently split games in those series with teams like Tampa and Florida, they have a really good shot at, at getting on the right side of the bubble for the playoffs. Um, now. I, I'm worried that this is coming too late in the season that they're figuring this out, uh, or they could be maybe getting a little bit fortunate, or they could be taking advantage of of uh, the, the Dallas Stars scenario, which which we'll talk about. Yeah, um, it, when we get to the buy sell section, I think. Sure, sure. And, and the it's funny that you say that. Like, is this is it too late? They've won six of seven, and they're still not in a playoff spot. <laughs> that's pretty. Mm-hmm. That's pretty bad. I mean, when you've won six games in a seven game stretch, that's really good. And you're still not even in a playoff spot yet. You've dug yourself such a hole. So, um, of course, goaltending has been huge. Uh, most notably, UC Soros has been fantastic, especially coming back from his uh, from his injury. In five games, he's 4-1, and one, a 976 save percentage. That is just, like, so typical UC Soros. Of, like, that when he is on, he is just outstanding. I mean, yeah. like, that, that he's been so good. And Rene has been, you know, not quite as good, but he's he obviously held his own – during much of that long stretch without Soros in net, he played a ton of games. Uh, he's still got above a 900 save percentage. You know, he's that's a kind of where he is right now in his career, so that's fine. You know, uh, but that's the that's the challenge the Predators have for the past several seasons with the Rene Soros tandem, which is eventually one of them drops off, but mm-hmm. it takes a couple games before you get the other one plugged in, and all of a sudden you're now dropping points. And does the other one pick it up? It's just right. there's big question marks on goaltending. You know, you, you still have people who are convinced Peck is the guy and will always be the guy. Um, but then, you know, you, you, does he have the performances? And I, I don't know. I, I am. You can probably hear all the hesitancy in my voice. Every point, everything that's positive. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, no, exactly. And that, that's I think that's I don't think you're you're certainly not alone in that, because I think a lot of a lot of fans feel that way. Of course, a lot of fans are. um well, it seems like there's obviously a mix of people who think, oh, well, the team is back in the playoff race now, so they don't need to buy or sell at the deadline. Mm-hmm. It's not as easy as all that. I mean, you've got to consider who's playing well for them right now, who who they could still they could still technically sell and and be in the in the run for the play or and still, you know, make the playoffs. But you know, I'm I'm getting ahead of things here. Um I wanted to touch base really quickly on injuries because uh that's that's been a big thing as well. They got UC Soros, they got Roman Yossi, they got Luke Cunning all back and all contributing in big ways. But then Forsberg misses Saturday's game. He's day-to-day. Um, 
obviously Matt Duchesne is still out. No idea how long how long he's going to be. And Ryan Ellis, it sounds like he's going to be out for a very long time, maybe even out for the year. It doesn't sound like he's even close to returning. So uh, there's still plenty of injury issues going on. So mm-hmm. uh, that's that's also forced their hand in some ways to play a lot of the young guys. Yeah, and, and he, even if the young guys play solid, which I think they have been in a lot of cases – it also has a major impact on the the power play because Ryan Ellis is really the guy yeah. who runs the second unit. Yeah. Um, if you're running the four forwards, one defenseman being Yossi on, on the on the primary power play. Uh, now, I, obviously, that varies quite a lot. You never know what you're going to see when it comes to the power play, but mm-hmm. uh, it is worrisome because it, it does take out a, a player who's really important to this team. Uh, you know, it, someone who. I think if if uh, Yossi wasn't captain, I've, I've long argued that I think Ellis would be the ideal captain for the Predators. Yeah, uh, I think he's that important culturally and and uh, to the team in terms of effort levels and dedication. Yeah, I totally totally agree with that. Um, the Matt Duchesne situation is strange because, like you know, th- that injury is we don't know what it is, but um, you know, if he was to come back in the lineup. I'm not saying that it would be a bad thing. I mean, Matt Duchesne has a lot of skill, a lot of talent. Uh, I don't know what would happen to the Lions because they've, they've really done a pretty good job of finding some some depth in the top six. Uh, obviously, Tolvin is a big part of that. Um, Luke Cunning or uh, Pitlick stepped in and played. I forgot to mention him, Rim Pitlick. I mean, would, would Matt Duchesne force a guy like Pitlick or maybe Eric Halla or someone like that out of the lineup or at least down in the lineup? So it's like, it's really strange. I mean, you, you don't think that you would turn down the opportunity to have Matt Duchesne in the lineup. But I mean, and he wasn't bad, but he was, he wasn't, he wasn't leading the team or anything. I mean, I, I will, I'll take Duchesne over Paula any day. I mean, I mean, that's just, I, Duchesne works incredibly hard, even though we all get upset about his contract dollars and his mm-hmm. low production. He works incredibly hard out there. Uh, and he's more effective broadly than Eric Halla. So, I mean, if you have to put Matthew Shane on a lower line, you know, throw him out there in the third line or something, just do it. Like, oh, yeah. wow, you've got Matthew Shane in your third line. Now, how do you deploy against that with a real, you know, exactly. I want to say scoring threat, but a, a offensive generating threat? Can I, like, cage it that that much? Yeah, exactly. uh, like Duchesne, who's out there, and you throw in, you know, any number of wingers. You put, you put, you know, Cutting on a line with them. You can try Tolvin. I mean, you can just right, right, mess with people, and you know how much right this team loves its line shuffling. How much uh, Heinz <laughs> loves to shuffle a line. Exactly. Uh, so, I, yeah, I just think it gives you another excuse to scratch a guy who doesn't really need to be out there. In in like Eric Hall, who's you know, oh look, who's he's leading in shots with three. Yeah, but he's got like. <laughs> about the same to show for it that, uh, that like Ryan Johansson does. Okay. So let's talk about uh, the, how much do we believe in this Preds team right now? And I think this is something that Predators fans are familiar with because it feels like many years, except for like the year where they were like, you know, president's trophy runner uh, in the running for the president's trophy, or even the year after the Stanley cup run, people thought, you know, they compete for that again. It feels like every year you really don't know if this is, a surefire playoff team or if this is a bubble team or if it's just just outside of the playoffs and that's exactly where they are right now so are you buying or selling the preds right now as a playoff team and i'm not talking about like should they buy or sell at the deadline that might be kind of a different question but do you think that they are 
a legitimate playoff comp- competing team. No, I, not even a little bit. Um, I, I really don't think so. Uh, and, and it's for some of the reasons I stated earlier. We, we don't know that the goaltending is reliable. If it gets hot at the right time, if, if the goaltending stays like it is right now, um, they actually might be able to lose in more games to the Lightning if they have to play them, if and when they make, make it there. I don't think that even at their best, this team is going to be able to go a seven-game series with the Lightning and win um, without just the most amazing goaltending that you've ever seen for the National Predators. Um, and also, I mean, the fight for this this last spot, it's not just the Stars, or sorry, it's not just the Hawks and the Predators, who, you know, the Predators just being two points behind. You have to look at the Dallas Stars. Dallas Stars still have four games in hand. Yeah, they do. They are statistically, over the same period of time, still a consistently better team night in and night out than the Predators. The Predators were lucky to pick up those two points in the shootout uh, against Dallas while also giving a point to a direct rival. Uh, if the if uh, you know, Dallas goes 500, they're a 500 team right now. If they go 500 across their next four games, the, the, the catch-up games... They're exactly where the Predators are, and now they're and the Predators are going to have you know continued to pick up games ahead of them. Uh, I just I don't think it's worth the long term damage to the franchise to continue to push for a playoff spot. You know anything can happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs. A last place team can win the Stanley Cup. It has happened. It's happened more than once. But I'm thinking about what's going to happen next season, the season after that, season after that. If this team goes out and buys, that just is going to be disastrous because they're going to have to give up resources they don't have and they can't afford to lose to then go and probably lose the Stanley somewhere along the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It just it doesn't make sense. This is this is the time to stabilize, to do some rebuilding to find ways to make interesting things happen, to try and become a, a serious competitor as fast as you possibly can. And doing that is is not, or pushing for the playoffs this year is not going to achieve that in the next few years. It's going to make it harder and harder to be successful. I I hear exactly what you're saying. I think that the, the Dallas Stars point is a really good one because, you know, that team has a lot, has games in hand and could easily be, you know, better than the Predators by the end, and the Predators have nothing to, to say for it. Now, they do play Dallas twice this week. That'll be a pretty big test as well. Um, I think if they lose both of those games, that can probably seal the deal. Um, the reason I think that – the reason I would buy on the Predators right now is because the uh, is because, you know, so often we think about the eye test. How do they look on the ice compared to their stats? And not just, not just the boxcar stats, but the underlying stats, five and five numbers – high danger chances, all that stuff. For, for the first time in a while, I feel like those two things are lining up. They look good on the ice, and their underlying stats have been good too. They've not been great. They've not been like top 10 or something, but they've been above average in a lot of different categories, including save percentage. They've been uh, much improved on special teams. Power play and penalty kill both looking a lot better um, than, they, than they did earlier. Uh, even without Ryan Ellis in the lineup, as you, as you mentioned, he's a big part of those. Uh, units but um so i i would think i would buy them and also because you've got so many contributions from young guys uh ellie tovenin has been 
a, like a godsend for that team in terms of just a consistent threat other than Philip Forsberg that the other team has to focus on. Victor Arvidsson looks a little bit better. He looked better than he did the beginning of the year. And I don't mean a lot better. I mean a little bit better. Um, guys like Mikhail Granlund still contributing. Ryan Johansson is kind of just basically the same. Uh, I don't. I can't explain Rocco Grimaldi getting five goals in two games. I, I mean, mean Eric Nyström picked up four goals <laughs> in one game. I mean, this, this right. these things happen. It's cool yeah. and it's fun, and you just enjoy it for what it is, and then try yeah. not to think about it too hard. Because yeah, I think that I think the, and then defensively, and I already mentioned these two guys, but uh, uh, Alex Carrier specifically uh, have just man, they have given really good minutes. Uh, I, someone like Ben Harper, I'm not as as big on, and I don't think he's really a part of the long term plans, but. But obviously Carrier is, and yeah. Davies is. But at the same time, you, know, you highlight the goaltending, and I think that's the big thing. And if you look at the stretch starting on, I guess, March 18th, is that is that really the start of that, the win streak? I think I started it March 13th. I think that was basically oh. – I was just basically going from our last show. Okay, so if I, so I was looking at the Florida game. Let me, let me update this. Let me go to the 13th. Let me just – Make sure that I'm doing this the right way, because I'm doing I'm doing live stats. Let's do some <laughs> let's do some live stats. That's live. All right, so we have March 13th March through the 28th. Uh huh. Yeah. So over that time, I, I'm going to pull up an old favorite. The Predators are sixth in the league in this stretch in PDO, the measure of puck luck. That's a very high. That's high. That's that is very high. So in that same in that period of time, they have the third best best save percentage in the league. Now, if you take it to the eighteen, they have the best save percentage in yeah. the league. This is at five on five. Um, at five on five, yeah. yeah. Power. I I cannot count a poor. I cannot count power play goals against a poor goaltender. They do their right. best. It's not right, their right. fault unless yeah. unless it's Pekka handling the puck in the, outside the trapezoid. Uh, that that's entirely his fault. Uh, you know, and their shooting percentage is like kind of low across the board. Like they're shooting sub ten percent across the team at five on five, which is a little bit rough, but not unusual. Um, so you're looking at a team with a you know fine shooting percentage, maybe a little high for them, but a fine shooting percentage and a ridiculous and just basically ridiculous goalkeeping. Uh, I don't think the goalkeeping is sustainable. I think it's going to come down to average. I think you're, you're, the difference between a 9-6 save percentage and a 9-1 or a 9-2 is, is significant. And I don't think you're going to see that across the rest of the season to, to keep them in the place they need to be, save especially with Dallas coming on their heels. Yeah, save percentage will go down. I think shooting percentage, especially for some key players, will go up. For example, Philip Forsberg is shooting like 9% right now. He's a better than a 9% shooter. Ellie Tolvin is at 19. That's very good. He's probably not a 19% shooter, but he's probably like 16, probably something like that, 15, 16. Roman Yossi's is, is low. Victor Arvidsson's is low. Ryan Johansson's actually is kind of high. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Victor Arvidsson's <laughs> never going to score a goal. In his, I mean, he, I, I don't believe he like, – even when he scores a goal, I'm like, nah, nah, he didn't, he didn't really <laughs> score a goal. So I think that to your point about this, the goaltending is uh, – sorry, the, the save percentage, the, the goaltending is going to go down – I think the shooting percentage will probably go up. I think that some of these guys will start putting putting pucks in the net more frequently. I, I, As you saw with Rocco Grimaldi. Yeah, of course. We're, we're going to base it off of what Rocco Grimaldi does. That's 
That is always wise. Hey, he led the he led the team in playoff goals against Dallas in that series. He's their only real threat in the playoffs. He's, he's the real hero. Um, <laughs> he's the James. He's Neal. the he's the one we've all been waiting for all the time. So yeah, I, I, I think the only reason that I would buy that now, do I think that they would be able to produ- um to have a lot of success in the playoffs? No, I, I think that if they make the playoffs, they might give Tampa a sixth game, but that's about it. That, that, that's about the, they'll, they'll lose in six, definitely by seven games. They'll be gone out of the, out of the playoffs. Um, unless something weird happens and Tampa somehow loses the first spot, which they won't. Uh, there's, there's no way they're going to make it past the first round. I still think that they're probably, they, they could, they could be a playoff team. It sounds, it's, it's very strange to say, but I think that the, what, what I've seen on the ice, they seem like they've figured out a few things. They've got certain players playing in the right spot. They have, Players who didn't really belong in the lineup, not in the lineup anymore. Uh, I'm thinking specifically of someone like Jared Tenorti, although they could have used him with all these injuries. Um, so, yeah. You I, know, I, they probably I, would have used him and not played some of the young guys who are yes. better. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, very good point. Um, now, do you think that, that do you think this affects whether or not they buy or sell at the trade deadline? Do you think that, that, that this last couple of weeks has affected David Poyle's decision-making here? Absolutely. I, I have no doubt that Poyle doesn't want to sell – Heinz doesn't want to sell. You know the ownership group probably doesn't want to sell. They're hoping that they can get to playoff hockey so they can have more fans in the arena. Yeah. Like, talk about teams are desperate for revenue. The longer their season goes, the more likely they can continue to increase the number of people in the arena. Playoff hockey financially would be a boon for the, for anyone who makes it in, even if it's just for a round. The hype and excitement around that, especially as it's getting further and further along and more and more people are vaccinated against COVID, it's a real revenue opportunity. Uh, so I can't imagine that if it feels like it's in reach, they're not going to fight for it. That's just mm-hmm. also not the way the Predators are culturally. I mean, this is not an organization that that takes things sitting down. They will charge in, they will fight, they will not give up, uh, and they'll try to put on a good show every every night. Um, and also I, I think there's a lot of players who just like being in Nashville with this team. Uh, you know, th- I, we haven't heard any rumors of players pushing for trades or wanting to go somewhere. Uh, you know, we've heard, we heard some rumblings about deals, but nothing ever came of those. So we don't know how legitimate they were, if anything. Yeah. Uh, I guess the only question I have is if they have, a a couple losses, like if they lose today against Chicago, or if they pick up two losses against Dallas, and Dallas makes up a lot of ground. And with the laws changing with Canada, so there's only a seven-day quarantine. I mean, does this does right. this is this the make or break week for the Predators? That's what yeah. I have. You know, and I so rarely ask you questions, but Alex, I mean, is is <laughs> this a make or break week week for the Predators? Like, is this the most important week of their season? <laughs> It, I think no doubt. I, I honestly do. I, we, I know. I think I've said something similar to that in previous weeks, where I've said, "Oh, if they don't win a certain number of these games," uh, but I think the result after this week will be the the deciding factor. The trade deadline's like April twelfth or fourteenth or something like that. It's a couple mm-hmm. weeks away. Maybe it's earlier than that. And it, it uh, is. It's next month. It's less than a month away. I, I yeah, believe less than a month. And uh, th- here's the only thing I can say definitively. For the first time in a while, the Predators are not buyers, for sure. Like, they're mm. not going to go buy anything. Even if it's, like, a low-cost rental, like, I don't know, Bobby Ryan. 
<laughs> because like Detroit doesn't have anything. They're not going to keep up. Byron's a, a veteran on his last year, maybe ever. But they're not even going to go buy someone like that to like fulfill the roster. I mean, like that seems like such a Predators move. Uh, no, hey, hey, Bobby Ryan for Eric Hall and Brad Richardson. Say say no. Yeah, that's that's true. But th- that's that's more of a Predators move of a couple of years ago where they needed some sort like the year they got Wayne Simmons and Brian Boyle. That's the team that would go after a Bobby Ryan or an Eric Stahl. This team's not doing that. This team, and they're certainly not going to pay money for some of the bigger guys. And they can't go after Eric. They're they're not going to go after Eric Stahl probably because he just got traded. He just got traded. That's right. So, but but like they're and they're definitely not going to go after anyone like a Taylor Hall or something. But I will Uh, say it's a really just to make sure I close off on this. It's a really interesting couple of weeks leading the trade deadline. So before the trade deadline, the Predators play. Let's see. I'm just going to run through this fast. Chicago, Dallas. Dallas again, Chicago again. So two more games against Dallas, two against Chicago, two more against Detroit. Then they play back-to-backs against Tampa and Dallas. So Mm -hmm. they play Tampa Saturday, Dallas Sunday, and then Monday's the trade deadline, 12th, April 12th. Uh, That's a tricky run-in because there's a lot of winnable games for the Predators, but there's also opportunities for them to slip up. I mean, if they Mm -hmm. struggle against Dallas but do really well against Detroit, yeah. That I it, it keeps them treading water. I think if you're a Predators fan who is cheering either for them to make the playoffs or for them to become sellers and to reload, you're you probably care more about how Dallas performs over the next two weeks than Nashville. Mm-hmm. You want because you really need Dallas to be dominant because if Dallas is dominant doesn't matter what Nashville does because Dallas can have so much ground they can make up with their four games down. Uh, and then going out against Tampa and Dallas, I mean, th- that could just change everything if, if that weekend goes badly, the, the weekend of the 10th of April 10th. God, this uh, season is, this season is so weird. It, it still feels weird. I mean, I thought I'd get used to it, but it still seems so strange playing the same teams over and over again. It's just, it's the it's such a strange situation. Yeah, it, it is weird looking at the calendars. I mean, it's like I, we have more games against Carolina and Chicago again, and then okay, it's just very strange. And then don't forget they got Columbus at the end of the year. So like, what what if what if they go over the next of the next week that or two weeks like you said, and they they beat the teams they're supposed to, they lose to Tampa and and Dallas, so they split it say, and maybe they're still in touch of a playoff spot. Maybe they're a point or two out. Then, like, I don't know what they do. I don't know if they do anything. Maybe they just don't do anything and then somehow try to push for it in the last stretch where they've got, again, games against Chicago and Columbus. And Yeah. I, so. If they just stay, I mean, if the Predators go 500, pick up eight points, because I think there's 16 points available over that period of time. If they pick up eight mm-hmm. of those and stay 500, and, you know, Dallas stays 500, I mean, they're going to be... At, you have to. That's why it says it matters. If Dallas starts getting away from being a 500 team, I think that's it. I think I think the Predators are really going to have to to maybe pack it in. Um, of course, Chicago is still above them too. I, I you do feel like Chicago would would not continue their their pace. So maybe Dallas just takes Chicago's place, which obviously yeah. would mean the Predators are out. But um, they, yeah, it's well, it's kind of logjam. And you know, I feel bad if we're not including them, but Columbus is only one point off of the off of Nashville. Yeah, you know they they're still in this too. They have eight overtime losses. The that thing, is crazy. 
Yeah, I the the big thing that I always have to remind myself of, and any fan hockey NHL fan has to remind themselves of, is that this league is all about creating the image of parity. They want to wait and keep fans thinking their team is competitive until the last minute. So all they have all these rules, all these setups, even all the controversy around referees doing makeup calls and different things. It's Mm -hmm. all in service of creating a sense of parody so that fans don't check out. Yeah. Um, You know what? We didn't have that plan to talk about, but I do want to get your take on that because um, do we want to wait and cover that a little bit? We're done with the main topic or you want me to just dive into it now? We're going to do it right now. We're, we're hitting, we're taking a left turn and going right into this because I, I, I had forgotten. um, Well, when I was making the show prep, I got, I just, just slipped my mind, but, but also it's, it's kind of an interesting topic because it it definitely transcends uh, hockey. It's not just about, not just about hockey. It's about all, all kinds of sports. And, I was talking with someone recently um, about how I can't remember who it was like if this oh it was Austin Austin Stanley that if you know if this if this had happened in the NFL it it would be the story it, the sports story of the year or, mm-hmm. or or NBA I mean this kind of a obvious peek into what actually happens with the uh, officiating um, and the fans getting to hear because there's a couple things to it. First of all, there's what he said, and I think there's how he said it. Now, some of the, some of the ways in which you, you when you hear this uh, this mic'd up stuff, it, some people some people know that they're being mic'd up, so they have kind of a, a performance to it. This did not sound like he knew he was mic'd well, up. Obviously, one no, one he did know he was mic'd up. So let me be clear. Yeah, because all referees have microphones. So what happens? Oh, okay. okay, yeah, referees are always mic'd up. So what happened is. Uh, and this is what is, I, if this is hearsay, I apologize. But what I what I understand happened is that a a sound guy thought they'd already cut to commercial and was doing a test on the referee mics to mm. do it do a mic check. Didn't realize they hadn't cut yet, and so inadvertently broadcast that bit. Like it was a complete fluke coincidence. Someone right. just wasn't paying attention and slipped up. Yeah, right. I, I guess I meant mic'd up in the sense of like uh, this is for like supplemental supplemental content that the, the league would use for, for that kind of thing. Yeah, obviously referees. Well, you're used to every stuff. game. Like they, they've got a microphone every game. They click yeah. it on and they say da 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 da. So, so just a freak accident caused this. But but the way that he said it, it seemed like very uh, – there, there was a lot of subjectivity and like intent in the way he said oh, it. Oh, I, I mean absolutely. When you Because I'll just paraphrase, but he said – like it was because it was around trying to he's like i wanted to get national penalty early in the in the period or in the game yeah so like, i want to make sure i call the penalty on national early in the game clearly like he was he was looking for something that yeah. there was enough of an excuse for him to call a penalty regardless of whether or not it actually met the criteria the, so the word, using the word wanted to or the phrase wanted to call something yeah uh, is is all you need to hear mm-hmm. i, I but, mean it, you know, you're, you're already going this way, but we we as hockey fans are aware that this happens. We mm-hmm. talk about makeup calls all the time. It yeah. goes both ways. We Some fans, they don't care. Some fans think it's the right way that, you know, referees, that's what they're supposed to do. Uh, there's some of us who are like, no, you should call the penalties that happen. You don't look for makeup calls. It's either a penalty or not. 
Um, if, you know, if a referee misses a penalty call, he missed a penalty call. Should he do better? Yes. Should he be evaluated? Yes. Should the, the, that referee look for a makeup call to, to amend for his error from missing a prior call? No. He should not do that. So if this, I'm trying to think of like how this would be phrased if, if it was in, 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 the, in the NFL, because I feel like in the, in the NHL, and I don't mean just the NFL, but any, any other major sport, anything any sport that has a higher audience than NHL, this was phrased as, or, or sort of framed as, uh, an unfortunate incident of, of a hot mic capturing something on ice that wasn't intended to be, you know, put out there. I feel like if it was any other league, it would be much deeper of a conspiracy. People would say there's a problem with the officiating in the league. There's a problem with the way that the games are managed by the officials, and there would be a much bigger attempt at kind of resolving that whereas this was just oh we got rid of him now he's he's been sent to early retirement end of story it's over it doesn't seem like to me it should be over but it, it does no. seem like well yeah they, they looked at a guy who you know tim peel is not a popular official right uh he's also getting ready to retire so you know as as the pedants have for some reason decided they need to search twitter and find anyone who says it um in comment sections tim peel was not fired he was relieved of his in-game officiating duties mm -hmm. yeah because they're not going to take his his pension away by firing him before whatever i mean they're just being nice yeah um it's not like you're 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 being a pedant if you're like oh they didn't actually fire him. I'm like yeah we understand yeah <laughs> um but like they're letting him see out they're letting him get his pension get his benefits by letting him retire like that's a nice thing to do he's a human being let him retire with dignity. I totally agree with that, regardless of that, because he's just part of the culture. Mm -hmm. You know, they they manage the games. They're probably taught to manage the games. And we've already seen him adapt. I mean, we've all seen the photo of this point or the video of the referee explaining a penalty and was covering his microphone with his hand as he explained the penalty. Mm -hmm. That's new behavior, roughly. I mean, we're probably hyper aware. So did it happen before? Maybe. But certainly referees don't want to get caught, you know, having their private, quote unquote, yeah. private conversations with players and, and, the, and that. I mean, that's been one of the weird things with having fans is that you can hear more of the conversations happening. And it's often very interesting to hear what coaches are actually shouting during during games or, you know, what the conversation between the referee and the players are. But this, I mean, yeah. this is just it's an NHL problem. They, have, they show no inclination to solving it because... It's all about parity, making sure it appears even despite teams being mismatched. Mm -hmm. You know, they want Nashville, Tampa to be every bit of competitive matchup as, you know, Nashville, Detroit, which is a sad comparison. Um, but that's really, that's often the case. It also would be a little bit easier to swallow if the penalty that he was calling and, and, and heard on Mike admitting to calling and wanting to call was more of an obvious penalty. I mean, it was just like so, it was such a dive, such a weak call. Th that combination is what made this bigger than, than it, than it should have been. If it had been, if it had been a clear, you know, if it, it's a, it's a play where Colton Sissons hooks a guy and he, and he goes down and it's an obvious penalty. And then you hear him, Oh, I needed to call a penalty on, on Nashville. And, and luckily that guy did such an obviously obvious penalty. It made it easy on me. That's a totally different story. It's a, a different, a different mindset. And maybe the guy doesn't even get fired, but because, the, pen, the accompanying penalty was so clearly not a penalty. That's that's part of it as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think 
most Predators fans, or really anyone watching the Nashville broadcast, heard Chris Mason immediately like, oh, it's <laughs> such a dive. What a dive. Like, And he was right. I mean, yeah. the contact was scant. The player just comes to her jump. I mean, it was – this league is allergic to calling embellishment oh, yeah. without calling the penalty. But that was that was more than embellishment. That guy just said, "I'm going down." And now, and and this is where uh, this is where my you know, if you have a conspiratorial mind at all, this is where things get kind of crazy. D- did did that referee mention something to Detroit? Hey, I might be about to call on Nashville soon. Maybe if you went down a little early, I might call it. I mean, I'm I, if that if there were proof of that is that might actually be illegal because that could be match fix no i'm saying that could be that yeah, yeah. could be considered match fixing and people are exactly. betting on these these games now exactly yeah. so if it it came out that the nhl was tampering in that way and people are betting money on these games yeah then the nhl could probably get sued for a ton of money so i don't think i doubt that's I happening that I don't yeah, think that I, either. yeah i don't think that's I, yeah i just I, the nhl is not going to risk their newfound gambling revenue yeah. Um. On on this sort of thing, I just think referees in the NHL are are very privileged with how they can manage games, and they don't really scrutinized. Can you bet on the number of penalties in a game? I bet you can. I'm sure. You can. I so. I don't. I just don't do sport betting in any way, shape, or form. So I don't know. I mean, I, I do, and that you can bet on nearly everything. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't gamble. So, um, it's it's an unfortunate thing, as as I just said. It, it's obviously very unfortunate. Um, but at the same time, we, we do all know that it happens. I mean, we, we can, you and I, if we really took the time, we could probably list out 10 penalties that we could remember in the history of the National Predators and think, uh, that was a bad call. It was probably also a makeup call on the Preds from earlier. And there you go. There, there's more proof yeah. of it. We just don't have, I mean, we it's don't common have, vernacular. We makeup don't have calls. audio of it happening. Yeah, yeah exactly. A makeup call is just normal hockey NHL vernacular. No one thinks mm-hmm. anything of it until it came out that blatant like it was it was just the exact right uh combination of mistakes and ha- events to to create like the worst scenario and i mean it's poetic that it's tim peel like the most dreaded <laughs> referee in the entire sport of hockey um but uh, it's it, what an end to his career i mean i like I, that it, I have not regretted anything related to Twitter until it came out that Tim Peel was that guy because I ran for several years the Lord Tim Peel parody account and I'm like oh I wish I still had that up and running <laughs> oh if I still had it up and running with that it would have been oh just the best week that I've ever guy, had. This would be like I mean this is probably not a, not a fair comparison to Tim Peel because this guy I'm about to mention is notoriously a, a way worse person. But who's the, the the farmer bro, Martin Screlly or whatever? That yeah. Guy, the, the guy who jacked up the prices of insulin or something like that. This would be like if Bar- if that if that guy got, you know, diabetes and went bankrupt trying to, to get insulin for himself. Yeah, well, let's, like, I mean, I want to I make it a more apt comparison. It would be like if, if instead of Screlly going to jail, uh, he got put on, like, administrative leave for ever. <laughs> like he still gets paid all of his money and he gets all the benefits. He just isn't allowed to work. Like that's yeah. basically like, I'm sure yeah. like Tim Peel is probably like, you know, maybe they have him do footage like, Hey, here, you know, why don't you do some training for the next com- coming referees or, you know, yeah. maybe he's going to be working a back room or maybe they're just giving him a couple weeks off. Like, Hey, just 
hang out for a month and a half and get your health insurance. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. It's like, he's, he, I'm sure he didn't want, didn't want to end his career that way, but there's worse ways to go out if you're caught in that kind of scandal. Mm-hmm. And there's, and you know, what's, and someone else pointed this out that the predators are, you know, if, if, if something major were to happen, some sort of rule change or league agreement with the officials, or I don't know, some sort of change happened, the predators have found themselves in, at, at the core of some pretty major like league changes recently. Like the, obviously the, the Matt Duchesne offside rule got changed. The, the, the offside rule in uh, that they with where you can have your skate offside from the Stanley cup final game where Subban scored and it was called back. Um, there's this, there's been a couple others in there where it's like the predators have been the, the butt of the joke. And then they fixed things on behalf of something that happened to the Nashville predators, which is just kind of also. Poetic. Well, but the pre- also predators won that game. The one where Tim Peel made the call, didn't they? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it was against it was, the Red Wings. It was the Detroit game. Yeah, they won. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, it, it didn't affect the outcome of the game, but uh, it affected the outcome of my soul. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, there, there's a there's a lot to that, and um, I don't know. I, I think uh, the Predators have just to just to circle back real quick. So we took a little detour there. We took a little detour through the woods, talked about some officiating, and now we're gonna swing back and just wave goodbye to our main topic which was buying or selling the preds i'm buying i think that they could make the playoffs and i think that they the what we see on the ice reflects that sounds like you're selling yeah um i i think that uh despite the improvement of play and i agree they haven't their play has improved but i don't think that the uh same percentage is sustainable I don't think the improvements they are likely to see in shooting percentage are enough to really lift them up above Dallas's rates. Um, I, you know, I, I think they're, and it's going to hurt the team in the long run if, if they make it in. So I think they're capable. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a good idea beyond the revenue uh, aspect that I mentioned. Right. Well, we'll see what happens. The Predators continue their, uh, um, Continue their schedule this week. Obviously, we already mentioned it. Chicago tonight, Dallas twice at home against. Or sorry, Dallas twice this week at home, and then one more against Chicago on Saturday. So uh, some very very winnable games this week. You can check out all of our hockey coverage at a to z sportsnational.com. You can follow me on Twitter at alex31. Follow Link on Twitter at 3 dlink Any final thoughts before we say goodbye? I was a skeptic, but everyone should go out and buy a copy of Hades for whatever their favorite system is, PC, Switch, whatever. It is that much fun to play. Hades? Hades. It is It is super fun. I thought I was really skeptical. I went and got it anyways. It is Okay, give me a, give me a 15 second, uh, what is it? Uh, Hades a is a, um, a rogue-like game. So basically it's the life-death cycle where you, always, you start over as soon as you die the one life. Um, it is based in Greek mythology, um, oh. but it is, unlike a lot of roguelikes, it has uh, a really interesting story, fun characters, it, the dialogue is really well done, the mechanics are great. I'm not a huge ro- roguelike person, but uh, I really have gotten taken with it. It just feels good. The gameplay cycle is just really rewarding. Um, and you can tell when you're improving, your skills are getting better. It's nice feedback. Is it online? Um, no. Is it an online game? No, no. You can, you, oh. it's, you can just buy it. I mean, I have it on my Switch, but you can get it for PC and other things for other systems as well. Cool. All right. Like, it's like $25, $30 mo- at most. Nice. 
great okay. pickup. Really good game. I think it's won a bunch of Game of the Year awards as well for 2020. So, oh, okay, it's excellent. And plus, you can pick up and put it down really fast. So if you're busy, uh, a suggestion from Link. Hey, yeah. check it out. Uh, all right, we'll see everyone next week. Thank you.